Generation of Kings. Tonight, we're talking about Dr. Jesus heals soul wounds. Dr. Jesus heals soul wounds. Soul wounds, as in S O U L W O U N D S. Can I propose to you that there are many people who are walking the face of the earth, right, who are dealing with soul wounds? Soul wounds. Soul wounds are no respecter of age, life stage, come on now, cage. Should I go on? Carbage. They are no respect of your wealth, wealth level or income level, your status in society, degree of anointing or lack thereof. If you have a soul, that soul is susceptible to being wounded. Okay? And usually soul wounds are the result of your mind or your will or your emotions being so abruptly impacted or jolted. So your soul, you know, that's the seat of your mind, of your will and of your emotions. Your mind, that is the center of reasoning, okay? Your emotions, that is the center of your feelings. And then your will, that's the center of your decisions, your convictions, your persuasions. And the three of them will work together. And there are many things that can shatter your paradigm and disrupt your composition so deeply that you are wounded, so, for example, if a friend asks you, oh, you know what, I'm doing this business, come and invest in my business. And this friend of yours took your money, there's a, there's a, <laughs> took your money, invested it in the so-called business, and then all the money went down. The guy disappeared. According to the story I told you, disappears. Now, that's a degree of hurt. If you now discover that he actually didn't invest in any business whatsoever, no business at all, and uh, he took your money and traveled to Canada with your best friend, right? And both of them knew about the plan and they did not tell you. Your soul is now wounded. So I'm not just talking about a, you know, something that hurts you. You get hurt maybe two or three times a week, hopefully not every day. Somebody write in the comment box, I refuse to be a hurt magnet. I refuse to be a hurt magnet. That's a word for somebody, right? But if you're a human being, something is going to upset or hurt you at least two to three times a week, okay? Somebody somewhere. And many times there'll be people that you interface with or in your circle because the closer they are, the deeper the impact of what they say or what they don't say, what they do or what they don't do. But I'm not talking about hurt you. I'm talking about a wound. The wound, it disrupts the constitution of your, your thoughts or your mind or your emotions. A wound could be that your dad always said, I'm traveling, I'm going all across the world. And that's the story you've always believed from when you were seven and aware and conscious. But by the time you got to 22, then you discover that this man wasn't traveling for any kind of business except the business in other women's beds. And at 22, you finally discovered that you had siblings from somebody who was not your mother. Now you're hurt, but it gets worse. Whilst you were enduring the pain, the harassment, and the embarrassment of second public secondary schools in Lagos, wearing old clothes and faded check shirts that did not keep you in check, but actually checkmated you. These siblings from another woman, 
They were entering the best of schools in France and Netherlands, all the way from Nazareth to university. Your soul will most likely be wounded. Are we getting this now? Are we getting this now? Right? You, you had an issue. You had an issue. Maybe you had a, a, a sexual sleep-up. And then your spiritual leader got to hear about it and it made an open show of it. Embarrassed you did a whole series with your name stamped on it. The only thing was I didn't call your name, but you always look in your direction whenever I was dealing with that issue. You were hurt, but you were not, maybe you're not really wounded until you discover that your spiritual leader has actually fathered five different children in other ministries. <laughs> and you're like, ah, so Baba did play and he was telling me to stop playing. You're wounded. Wild. That, that's it. <laughs> PLT. PLT, do you remember that stuff I used to say wild, wild, wild. Now it's like wild is coming back to the culture. I just used to say it. Now that stuff was wild. I think that was like two years ago or something like that. Now I'm hearing wild, wild, wild. I'm like, oh wow, I'm a foreigner. Even though I'm not a Toyota car, I'm a foreigner. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So I'm not just talking about hurt here. I'm talking about wounds. And many times those wounds will come by a disruption, a twisting of the, the insides. Or your mother raised you. And in your mind, your mother was a very hardworking person. She told you she was selling kerosene and paraffin. That's what she was selling to send you to school. And you believed her and you honored her and you were just like, oh, my mother is my hero, my hero, my hero, and all of that. But as you turned a teenager, you go to 20, you discover that she was actually getting that money in another way. Mm -hmm. Let's not talk too much. Are, are you seeing what I'm saying? The soul can be wounded. It can happen with friends. It can happen with family members, colleagues. It can happen with neighbors. A neighbor can sell you out. Both of you had agreed that with your own rent, right? And uh, the plan is that we're going to talk to Baba Landlord to give us three months and all of that and all of that and all of that. Meanwhile, you are doing compound ajor thrifts. You are collecting the money. Little did you know that your neighbor had used the ajor to go and pay the rent <laughs> and left you, <laughs> left you on your own. Oh, <laughs> Nagabali Hmm. <laughs> Are we seeing this now? Now, these things, they happen. <laughs> do they, let me ask you, do these things happen or not? Do they happen or not? I mean, like, they might be far out for some people, but they actually happened. All right. Please help me understand. This Tammy, is this Tammy Kazi from Germany, or is this Tammy Sachs, or is this Tammy Chevroni? What Tammy is this? Okay, so let's start with Isaiah chapter 60. I'm going to need my, Chef uh, Ronnie, okay, great. I'm going to need my scribes to help us. Isaiah chapter 61, where we started from on Sunday. Isaiah 61. Oh, my Lord. And from verse 1, let's run. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to do what? To heal the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted, I want to know something. You don't have to carry it as a baggage for the rest of your life. You don't have to pretend to what God wants to tend to. We have a tendency to pretend because sometimes we are too hurt to admit how badly hurt we are. Somebody write that down. Sometimes we are too hurt to admit how badly hurt we are. Now, for those of us who might be good at sort of like reading people, now I'm not the best at discerning people all the time, but if I'm in my prophetic zone or in my um, work zone, I can pick stuff out, but I'm very, very good at joining the dots or patterns or getting iterations. I can join what somebody said, what they were, how they looked and put that together. So many times when I really relate with people and particularly spiritual people, I realize that if I'm asking them, how are you doing? What do you think about this? They are saying something, but there are things they want to say they are not saying until I, I help them bring it out. And before I used to go like, why are you being like that? But it occurred to me that sometimes people are too hurt to admit how badly hurt they are. And sometimes that hurt colors everything. So there are people, particularly in ministry, if you're, or if you're a business builder, you're leading people, you are going to be hurt by incompetence. You're going to be hurt by people's pride, sense of entitlement, people that don't understand the power of an opportunity and take what you've given to them for granted. People don't understand the power of the sacrifice you make consistently to show up excellently. You will be hurt, right, by all of that. What I want to say, I'm starting with this. Jesus wants to heal your hurt. He doesn't want to cover them up. He wants to heal the hurt. He doesn't want to cover them up. What we try to do is that we try to cover our hurts. We try to isolate that and we try to build fences around our hearts. And so for many people, their hearts are cubicles of prison cells where they have locked out stories, locked out people, locked out persons that look like certain people, locked out certain titles, certain environments, locked out possibilities. And in fact, they've also locked themselves out of themselves. So they always behave as though they were beside themselves. Are you following what I'm saying? Now show you from the Bible. Because what has now possessed them is not necessarily a demon spirit but a spirit or an attitude of offense, an attitude of irritation, an attitude of short temper. They are no longer whole because they have so many holes, holes, holes. And, and one of the manifestations of that is that they are quick to also poke holes in other people's progress, joy, acceleration, increase, because when you are full of holes, you will have enough holes to give out to other people. Come on, am I preaching now? Am I talking? Do you see what I'm saying? This is important. It is critical to note <laughs> that there are rooms in your soul. There are rooms, there are spaces there. Not, listen, this is the reason we say we love God, we love people, we love, I love you, I love you, I love you. How many of you know that when I say I love you to PLT, that love is different from the love I say I love you to Dami, or I love you to Mazumbonu, or I love you, are you, for, are you saying what I'm saying now? I'm saying love, 
But the places they occupy in my heart, they are different places. <laughs> the others are very different. They're different. Why? Because they are chambers of the soul. <laughs> they are please take notes, yes. Because they are chambers of the soul. Are you seeing? They are chambers of the soul. And so what happens is that we have the erosion of our souls when we are wounded. When we cover up the wound, the wound grows deep and it begins to eat up tissues. It begins to eat up layers. Can I propose to you, there are many adults that are eaten up. I was speaking to one of my friends uh, last week, Melvin PLT. And we're talking about that, you know, it's coming on board on, on the amount of coaching that I'm doing. Speaking about different things, and he said something. He said, looks at old people, right? People that are in their 70s and 80s, and that he sees some men who are always cheerful and joyful. And then there are other men that are usually very sad and sober and all. I said, wow, come on, you're getting it. Because one of the things I do very often is I try to make decisions from the latter years of my life. And what I discovered hanging around older people, 60s, 70s, 80s, is that many of them have more of the stories of betrayal, abandonment, rejection, humiliation, and injustice. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not because people hurt them. Mm -mm. It's because they were wounded and they did not heal. Please write this down. The wounds are not my fault, but my healing is my responsibility. The wounds are not my fault. But I must take responsibility for my healing. When I say take responsibility, I must be able to take that wound and present it to Jesus. Kamani Kapalaya. Are we following what I'm saying now? I must be able to know I'm not walking well. I'm not walking straight. I'm getting irritated. I'm getting... So one of the things I try to do is that I try to... So sometimes I'm, I'm getting irritated. I'm getting impatient. Now, I might not say it verbally, but in my soul, I'm already... I can feel that I'm already getting somehow. Right? There's only maybe possibly... My wife and people that work with me in the office that might even sense it sometimes. I'm just getting somehow. And so when that happens, I see that as an invitation to inspect. <laughs> oh my God, somebody is telling me, sending me DM. <laughs> right? It's, a, it's an invitation because what most of us do is that when we're feeling that way, we just now go with it. Or we get upset that we're feeling that way. Meanwhile, that way you are feeling is actually a messenger. It has come with an email saying, tan, 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 tan. Are we seeing? Check this out. Pay attention. It's like the red light on your dashboard. It does not mean the engine has knocked. Don't exaggerate it. It means check it out. Why is the light on now that was not on two or three days ago? Why is there an alert in my spirit, in my mind? Are we here? There's so many scriptures in my... <laughs> I'm trying to see which ones to edit. All right. Now, so I, I want to be comfortable with that. Understand that. 
Let's go to Luke chapter 5, verse 31. Jesus has promised to heal the brokenhearted. Don't hide. He's going to ask you questions. Where does it hurt? What kind of men or women irritate you? I give a lot of examples on Sunday. People that don't want to marry beautiful women. You get why for some of them. You don't want to marry accomplished men. You get why? Because you might feel you don't have time for me or that many women are going to like them. I don't want any other woman to like your man. Or it might be that you feel that they're going to be so far ahead of what you can accomplish. So you need to ask those questions. Help me somebody. Luke chapter 5 verse 31 and also give us Matthew chapter 9 verse 31. Help us very quickly. I need my scribes. Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need. You can give it to me from about verse 28. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So if we're speaking about Dr. Jesus, Dr. Jesus is not trying to see those who are going to impress him. Mm -mm. The doctor is not trying to get you impressed, trying to get you to impress him by how fit you are, because he will be out of work, right? He's trained to take care of you. He's trained to create an environment. He's trained to create the context for it. When we speak about healing, I'll talk about some of those things, environment and context. Right? It says, they that are sick, they have no need of, this, those, that, those that are well, they have no need of physician. Give us Matthew 9 verse 12. The same thing it says, those that are whole, they do not need a physician, but those who are sick. Please, if you want to be vulnerable with me today, can you put in the comments, it says in Mark 2 verse 17, put in the comments, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. There are parts of my life that need wholeness. Jesus, I need you. I need Dr. Jesus. I need Dr. Jesus. I need Dr. Jesus. And if you don't need him now, you're going to need him sometime very soon. You'll go. With this subsidy matter, you need Dr. Jesus. If you're going to get married, your spouse will ensure that they remind you that they, you need Jesus. <laughs> if you're going to stay single, life is going to remind you that you need Jesus. You're going to have children? Oh, yeah. Come on now. We're going to need that. We're going to need Jesus. Dr. Jesus, not just as our friend, but as our doctor, as our facilitator of healing. We're going to need that. We're going to need that. Now, when I speak about trauma, it can be physiological and it can also be psychological. It can be physiological, but it can also be psychological, which means that we're dealing with the mind and we'll deal with that on Sunday. But see a couple of things. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 34, go there very quickly. Psalm 34, long read from verse 12, so break it down. Give us 12 to 14, then give us 16 to 18, then give us 19 to 22. It says, who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? What does it say you should do? Keep your tongue from evil. So speaking about the soul wounds, keep your tongue. When you are wounded, let me tell you a couple of things. When you are wounded, 
The enemy knows that one of the instruments for your healing is what? Your tongue. So many of the wounds in your life, how did they come? Tongues. They come with what? Tongues. A lot of the wounds in your life are word inflicted. Tongue inflicted. What somebody said to you, what somebody said about you, what somebody said around you. And for some people, what somebody said on top of you or under you. If you get it, you get it. When you were in the world and doing all that nastiness and all that stuff and having a field day, and the guy came and did what he wanted to do with you and said, ah, Ty, dead wood, dead wood, nonsense. Ty, I don't know it left an impression on your mind. So now that you're born again, better man being Christ, a new creature, all things are passed away. You still remember dead wood, dead wood, dead wood, dead wood, dead wood, dead wood inside your head. Or some other words, maybe the S word or the F word or whatever word they use. But thank God for another F word, forgiveness. Another S word, salvation, spirit field. So those words didn't just dissipate. You need to be able to excavate with the by cooperating with the Holy Spirit to literally purge those things and push them out. Are we seeing that now? But it's so deep. It's not cranium deep. It's so deep because those words were deposited and like the seed of a man, they began to take up room in the womb of your heart. And some people get married not realizing the reason they can't feel that intimacy with their spouses is not because their spouses are not doing it well or they're not doing it as deeply as though they were in a well. Well, but because of words that were spoken to them before they got married, now that they are in the safe space of covenant to be themselves, they are in the... <laughs> don't, let me, don't, don't let me see. Don't let me see that. Yeah, but you, you get the point I'm making. He says, keep your, your tongue from evil. So when the enemy attacks the soul, do you know the next thing he wants to do? He wants to use the person who's been attacked to finish the work by then reiterating the words that were spoken. Amplifying it. Because don't forget, do you know that your tongue is inside your body? <laughs> which means that before your tongue utters anything on the outside it's already received that impression internally this is the reason at the speed of a negative thought superimpose the positive words of god because what it means is whenever your tongue is transmitting it it is now exporting your inner convictions into the space around you the tongue is now instructing the entire universe how they must relate with you. So if you say, oh, I'm so messed up. I was raped. I was violated. I'll never find a husband. Um, I, my money's never complete. You see, I'm not that good. I don't really have what it takes. What has happened now is that the inner musings of your heart that you have accepted to be true, you have now exported with the visa of your voice to the ends of the earth so that wherever you walk into you are running into brick walls and you don't know why you are wondering why you're struggling financially not realizing that because you were abused sexually you are exporting the tokens of that abuse into the space around you and almost everything seems to be in rebellion against you because you authorize it with your words
So ask my wife, my friend for 15 years, PLT, have you ever heard me speak negative words about myself or about my situation or about our marriage or about our house? Or have you ever heard it? In fact, there was a time my wife was like, PDMs, why are you being so serious about this long ago before I got married? Like things are supposed I don't. I do not. About kings, about people, mm-mm. Because what God did in the beginning was that he used the words to frame the world. He said, by faith, we understand that the world were framed by the word of God. So see what it says in Psalms 34 from verse 12. Who is that man who desires life and loves men a days that he may see good? What should he do? Keep your tongue from evil, including the evil that has been done to you. And your lips from speaking the sea. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. See what it says. Seek what? Peace. That's shalom. What's shalom? Wholeness. What's that? Nothing missing, nothing broken. See, when you go to when you go to the uh to Israel and you're amongst the Jewish community, we had a pastor, where was it? A, oh yeah, a pastor, prayer leader when we're in London, Pastor Laolu. Shalom, shalom. He used to greet that way. Shalom, shalom. In the Jewish community, they greet shalom, shalom. And they say it twice, right? Shalom, shalom is a greeting, a declaration of peace. Peace be unto you. Now, the Hebrew mind does not think about shalom as a spiritual feeling. You know how it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. And we imagine that it's a, it's a spiritual. No, the Hebrew mind when it says shalom, shalom, he's seen wholeness, wholeness in all things spiritual and all things material. That's what it means. Shalom, shalom. Wholeness, wholeness in all things spiritual and all things material. So when the Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace, he is saying that he's the carrier, the conduit, the ambassador of the peace of God. God is the king of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. Somebody say shalom, shalom. Ooh, That's why when, he, when there was a storm, everything was topsy-turvy. What did he do? They woke him and said, master, master, do you not care that we perish? He said, peace, shalom, shalom. But still. He said that what you should seek when you are wounded. Listen, it's there. He said, depart from evil and do good. Seek. So most of us, we depart from evil, but we don't do anything. We just depart from evil. We still end up in the evil because to depart from evil and not do good is to still keep the option for evil available, right? Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. I was talking with someone, uh, couple of days ago right and we're talking about a certain relationship or certain relationship important relationship in my life and the person said ah pidams you're such a good man you're such a, a great man you're such a this 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 said because all this while i didn't know this 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 and all this while you did not even drag the person or you know badmouth the person or yeah 
depart from evil and do good. He says, seek peace. Now, why would you seek peace? That means that many times it will look as though the peace is missing. That's why you seek it. You don't seek for something that is apparent. You seek for something that is either not conspicuous or currently unavailable to plain sight. So it says, seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. So he's taking it deeper now. And where, how do I mean taking it deeper? Because he's saying to you that when you're inside this soul wound and this situation, it will look as though the eyes of men are not on you. People who knew you before will act as if they don't know you. When you are in that season, oh, come on now. You will be shocked at your friend. You will be very, very shocked at family members that will be far and you'll be looking for the melee. So he says, don't worry. The eyes of the Lord are upon you. And then it says, his ears are open to their cry. Why? You will cry. Crying does not mean I'm not healing. Crying does not mean I'm not healing. Crying does not mean I don't have faith. Crying does not mean I'm not making progress. But he said, don't be looking for men to hear your cry. Because listen, people may hear the sound of your wailing. It does not mean they hear the heart of your cry or the cry of your heart. There's a way everybody's crying, but somebody who, who's been through that journey before can hear the pain differently. Mm -hmm. Then it says, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the members of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord, what does he do? He hears. He hears. And what does he do? He saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of who? The righteous. So write this down. Righteousness does not immunize me against affliction. But it immunizes me against destruction. I think I taught that two, two Wednesdays ago. I so said, you're not immunized against fire, but you're immunized against burning. So you're righteous, affliction will come. In fact, sometimes your righteousness may be the reason you have some more afflictions in your life. Afflictions don't mean you are of the devil. Afflictions could mean that you're so much of God, hell is irritated. We hear it. Somebody help us share this, share this. If you're on YouTube, share that link right now. But what does he do? He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he, the Lord, delivers him out of them all. Listen, every time you heal from a soul wound, you become a better soul jar. <laughs> S-O-U-L-D-I-E. Our soldier, your capacity for war and your capacity for dominion expands with your healing experience. This is the reason experience is important in the realm of the spirit. By experience, I'm not talking about your journey in the earth. I'm saying your journey in the Lord, your mileage in God, not your age on earth, your mileage. Kilometer, kilometer, kilometers. How many kilometers you've walked? I just said that series in the Bible. How many, how many times you've walked with God? Listen, every time God is taking you on a journey of healing and repair and you stop, you are reducing your mileage in the spirit. Keep on walking. He says we walk by faith and not by sight. 
Walk by faith. You increase every time you heal from a soul wound. You increase your capacity for war and dominion. You know what also increases when you heal right? Your compassion for the weak. Oh, before I used to get quite irritated. And I used to wonder why people didn't understand basic things. Basic. Why don't you understand basic things? But now I know that people can be wounded and people can, can be in a space for years until the Lord shows mercy and sends a teacher or someone with understanding, healing capacities. Are we here? Now, for the person saying, but God, I'm wounded, I'm wounded. Look at what it says. He said, he guards all his bones. When God is walking you through that process, your flesh may suffer. In other words, the external aspect of your life may be tampered with, but the structures of your destiny will be retained. What I'm trying to say to you, betrayal will never fracture the structure of your destiny. Victimization, oppression, harassment, abuse, it never does because the Lord protects those structures. What may happen, it says, not one of them is broken. What may happen, some of them may be dislocated. But even when that happens, don't forget, Ezekiel 37, prophesy, bone to bone, bone to bone, bone to bone, the Lord can bring it together. I see the Lord healing soul wounds right now. I, I, I just, I see oil being poured. I see oil. In other words, what God wanted you to become, you will still walk in the fullness of it. See, the story of Joseph is a powerful story because as far as man is concerned, the guy has gone. Otilor is gone. You can, you can, you can never become that. But see, I, I told you one time, I think on, uh, at the hub, that your destiny, God has a recalibrating mechanism installed in every believer. So when the enemy even thinks like he's kidnapped you and taking you to Egypt, he does not know that he's an unpaid intern advancing the plans of God. He's an unpaid facilitator of God's project. They thought they were taken away from his destiny, but God was giving him a first class ride in the caravan. To the place where I was going to become king. I proclaim to somebody, it looks like life. They carry you where you don't know. Carry you go where you don't know. But that same carriage is going to lead you to your marriage. For some of you, your marriage, marriage. For some of you, your marriage, your destiny. Your marriage to God's purpose in your life. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Then it says, evil shall slay the wicked. Don't, don't, you don't need to... Slay the wicked, evil will slay them. And those who hate the righteous shall be what? Condemned. Then it says, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And none of those who put their trust in him shall be condemned. Are we here? Anybody getting blessed? So what is Therapy. Therapy is the treatment of mental conditions by verbal communication and interaction. Treatment. Therapy, treatment of mental, emotional conditions by verbal communication and interaction. Right? A treatment to make somebody feel better, be better, grow stronger. So there are different kinds of therapy. Speech therapy, personal therapy, occupational 
therapy, different kinds of therapy. So it's also treatment of disease or physical ailments or disorders, right? By medical or physical means, but without, without surgery in that regard. There is nobody who's a greater therapist than Jesus. Now, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures because I want to begin to get to the heart of it. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures and I'm going to show you that deep healing, like what we saw on Sunday, like during the message, some people were already in tears, some people were actually wailing, some people happened after service, some people went to go have their personal meetings and, and all of that. I want to show you that deep healing is part of what God has made provision for in your life. So I'm going to be reading very quickly from the book of Luke chapter 10. And many of us, we know the story. But I need to pace it up. Luke chapter 10 from verse 25. Are we getting blessed? How are we doing? At the beginning, the Lord appointed 70 also, two by two to go before his face. And he said to them, verse 2, have us plenteous, liberous a few. Then he goes all the way. When you go to verse 25, listen. And behold, a certain lawyer, the law, tag the lawyer in the house. A certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Follow this. This person is testing Jesus. He wraps his question around a religious theme. He's crafty and cunning. He's trying to catch the master. But you see, you can't catch the one who created Kacha in the first place. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what is written in the law? Jesus answered to, to this guy, what's written in the law? What is your written of it? So the lawyer said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Listen, do you see verse 27? Verse 27, you shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. When you see hearts in the Bible, it swings sometimes between spirit and subconscious mind. Heart could either be spirit or subconscious mind. So, for example, when it says in John 7, verse 37, the great and the last day of the faith, the greatest day of the faith, lifted up his voice and said, So, now if you're thirsty, let him come to me and drink for out of his belly. Another one says, Out of his heart. Now, word belly or heart there is the innermost recess, it's actually the word spirit. Because Jesus was not talking about water out of your physical belly. So sometimes it's spirit, sometimes it's subconscious mind or soul. In this case, because he uses heart and then it says soul, heart here is spirit. You love the Lord and God with all your spirit, not just spirit, spirit, recreated man, but with the attitude of your life. Most believers, that's where we camp. That's how we roll. That's our, our gig. Okay, but the next thing he says, with all your what soul. Whenever you are in church or a team, team lead, listen, you are a team lead or pastor, minister, and you're trying to mobilize people, and the people are not being mobilized. Many times it's not their spirit or their disposition, it is the soul. The reason the enemy attacks the soul very much is that a wounded soul is not much of an asset to anything, including itself. Why does the enemy attack the soul so much? 
Because according to God's standard, the love you express for God must not only be spirit deep, it must be soul deep. But if I wound your soul, you cannot be beneficial to the kingdom of God. You cannot be beneficial to covenant relationships in your life because you will suspect everybody. You cannot even be beneficial to yourself because your self-centeredness keeps the value of you away from the remnant of you. Come on. Jade, I didn't say the spirit attacks the soul, no. I said the devil, Satan. Let's be clear about the spirit. I guess that was a typo anyway. Do we feel this now? Why is, why is there so much offense in the world today? So much anger. Parents are angry against children, husbands against wives, bosses against colleagues, social media. Have you seen the degree of bile and bitterness and, and ranting? On social media, I even think that offense is a stronger spirit online than immorality, that as in sexual immorality. Bitterness. Anybody, come and talk to me in the comments if you're with me. Why? Because you can't love with your soul when your soul is soul selfish, soul hurt, soul wounded. Are you saying now? He says the requirement is that this guy see comments like some, sometimes I'm like, let me just leave this this page at this timeline because it's, people just say things. They just use things as in like the comment, you know, the sexual immorality people that immoral people that you know show their breasts and their bombs and stuff like that. That one is a picture or a video, it's bad. But go and read comments sometimes even on Christian posts and you see Satan at work but hiding in theology. Satan at work but hiding in eloquence. Satan at work because the more subtle the enemy is, the more effective that enemy will become. Are we here now? So he said, with all your soul. Now, do you know what all your soul is? That means you must pick up the pieces of your soul that were molested. The pieces of your soul that were abused, ripped, assaulted, ignored, abandoned, rejected, treated unjustly. Every element, because for every time you are hesitant to commit to a new relationship, commit to the work of God, commit to your destiny, to your gift. Part of what is causing that restraint is there's a dimension of your soul you have not reclaimed. Wounded and can't get up. So you, that, that's why you're slow. Because if your soul, if your soul was in full form, where your battery is fully charged, Katuvenia Henakubala. You enter into the fire knowing that your master said, when you walk through the fire, it shall not burn you. You're fully persuaded. Paul said, I'm persuaded. He said, none of those things move, move me. You know why? My soul is soul strong. Are we good? Help me. I see, I see Dunes, Mrs. Balu. I see you. I see David. I see Deborah May. I see governor on YouTube. Keep, keep, keep those comments coming. Are we good? Are we fine?
So he said, all your soul, then all your strength. Do you see the flow? If you can love with all your soul, amen to that GB, he's actually helping us. And that's why he's doing the series. Now, look at this. If you can't love with all your soul, you can't love with all your strength. Because your strength is a follower of your soul. This is the reason. If I see what you're putting your strength into, I can tell where your soul is. These things cannot be... See, if somebody says, mm, I don't really... Mm, I, 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 are you saying? Because it's systematic. He breathed into man and man, Tua, became a living nefesh, a living soul. So before man moved, his soul was made alive. Therefore, the movements of men on the outside are only reflections of what is already moving on their inside. When the soul is wounded, it can't fly. So, I, uh, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I see 845 in our future. Let me run. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind. And then it says, and look at the next thing. He said, and your neighbor as yourself. If you don't have enough love for yourself, you have nothing to give your neighbor. Now, there's a difference between loving your neighbor and people pleasing. People pleasing will cater to anyone or anything at the expense of self. Loving will cater to God things in the lives of those people at the expense of self. They are two different things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you know, the lawyer was one that said, and Jesus said, verse 28, you have answered rightly, do this and you will leave. But look at verse 29. He wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus said, hey, you're going there. Let, let me talk to you. Then Jesus answered and said, now, don't let me go into that whole soul matter because I, need, I can tell where your soul is. If it can show me where your time is going, where your energy is going, where your money is going, where your publicity or media is going, where your voice, where you're lending your voice to, are you saying? And when God presents truth before us, we are like this lawyer, verse 29, who's trying to justify himself. It says, Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus told him a story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him what? Half dead. Now, think about this man as a soul. This soul fell amongst thieves. Some of the thieves may have come with religious language, but they came to steal, to use, to exploit, to extort. Many churches are currently suffering from churches that stole from people. Many good churches are suffering. From churches that stole, bad churches that stole from people. Many good bosses are suffering from bad bosses that mistreated good workers who have now become bad workers. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Let your commitment be that when anybody comes into my life, they leave me better. And some of them will never even leave because they will not see any, any better anywhere else. Not a curse doesn't mean that they'll stay on the same level. It means they'll just keep ascending with me. 
because some people are called to you, right? But try to make that commitment. Because every time you wound somebody, you can't tell how the wound is going to end. Like, at least I didn't kill the person. You're right, you didn't kill the person, but maybe you killed something in the person. If a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, what's Jerusalem? Jerusalem. What's Salem? Peace. Jerusalem, the place of peace. To the place of the casting down. Jericho, the place of palm trees. A place of palm trees. Jordan is casting down. And fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothes and wounded him and departed, leaving him after. Many of us, our souls were stripped of its comfort because clothing provides comfort. It's covering. We felt exposed used, vulnerable, and then were wounded. And then they left us. After they exploited us, they left us. Now, verse 31. Now, by chance, a certain, a certain who? Priest, where did he come? Came down that road, and when he saw him, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. Who is that priest? Why would the priest pass by? I don't know. We're not told. But we know the priest was going, was dressed in priestly garments for us to know that he's priest. But maybe he rationalized to himself that, ah, no, no, this is a body. God is not concerned about body, he's concerned about spirits. God is not concerned about, you know, this guy is concerned about, let me go and offer sacrifices. Oh, is somebody getting this? How many times have we been in a hurry to give a word of knowledge that we didn't get to counsel somebody or visit somebody or buy food for somebody because we thought that word of knowledge was more important than 900 Naira food from Chicken Republic? We had no idea that the 900 Naira food from Chicken Republic was going to be a greater reminder that God cares for them than the word of knowledge in that particular moment. Because part of the reason they are feeling abandoned is not the absence of word of knowledge, but the presence of words of knowledge have not translated into the miracles they thought they should have translated into right now. And so what they need in this moment is not necessarily another spiritual gift, but maybe a material gift that will lift their soul first. Is somebody following me now? Maybe. So the priest went away. And uh, there's no altar here now. There's no altar. Let's just go. There's no, uh, I'm looking for pomegranate, I beg. Please give me golden lava. Give me incense. Which one is this one crying? The Lord be with you. He said, pass by. In fact, the word says he passed by on the other side. He distanced himself from that situation. Look through the scriptures and see that whilst Jesus dealt with crowd, crowds, he was comfortable dealing with single persons and then dozens. He was comfortable with every spectrum of human audience because God is close to the brokenhearted. Doesn't matter whether it's a brokenhearted as an individual or a crowd. Likewise, a Levite, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be the soul first. I'm just saying be discerning. Right? It could be spirit first. It could be. But I'm just saying without leaving the other undone. Likewise, a Levite, somebody who's also a temple worker, a worker in the church, the priest was the pastor. Levite, worker. When he arrived at the place, this one, he didn't pass by on the other side. He came 
and looked and said, ah, yeah, 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 that was still life. Oh, oh, mm, uh. If he had a phone, he would have taken a few selfies. Check on, check on, check on, check on. Man in need of quick help. Wicked world, hashtag wicked world. Said and looked around. And what did he do? He passed by on the other side. Where was he going? Possibly to the temple. Please, let's not get caught up with tokens of spirituality and lack the substance of it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is the God of the world, but only, also the God of only. Don't be so focused on the world that you refuse to beget the only. Someone needs to get into a place, and I want to challenge us as kings. Before the end of the year, at least once a month, at least once a month, there must be somebody you are bringing into the house as somebody you are responsible for. If you start off from the month of June, by December, you're going to have seven souls in that house, either saved or healed or saved and healed from wounds. Because if all you're doing is you're just busy, you know, going to Foriezal, busy counting the offering, busy. You are a priest and a Levite, but where are the souls? Where are the souls? There should be a divine unrest in your heart when we call first timers and there's nobody standing that you brought. You are leaving some people half dead. Listen, the danger of walking past broken people is that you are helping the previous thieves complete their work by ignoring the damage they did. Let me say that again. The danger of ignoring broken people is that you are inadvertently helping the thieves that violated them to complete their work by ignoring the damage done to their souls. That's why Jesus said, those who are not gathering with me, they are scattering. Don't just inspect and don't just expect. Help them heal. Verse 33, this is but a certain Samaritan. If I had enough time, I would have spoken about this. Maybe I'll still touch on it on Sunday. Certain Samaritan, why was that important? Because the Samaritans were enemies with the Jews. That's why in John chapter 10, John chapter 4, Jesus by the well of Jacob, speaking to the Samaritan woman, said, uh, what, have, what have you been a Jew? What have you got to do with me? The Samaritan said, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. What's up? Why are you, I mean, we shouldn't be in the same category. You and me no day for the same category. Me and you no day. She was sort of like dancing. Dun, 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 so this Samaritan woman, Samaritan, the word says he came as he joined it, came where he was. And when he saw him, see what I did, see what I did, compassion. Let me give us some keys as we close. P.L. Sergeant, this won't know that song. <laughs> Who knows that song that I just sang? It's a real song. It wasn't spontaneous worship. Okay. Oh, my pastor is so good. Just get another son on the spot. The first thing in healing, the first thing in healing is vulnerability. 
That's the first thing in healing. The doctor can inject your bomb if you don't open up your bomb. However, how will you open your bomb when the last person who opened your bomb planted a bomb in your bomb? Come on now. And everything blew up. <laughs> Woo. Help me now. Help me now. Anybody? Did you hear what I just said? The bomb bomb revelation? The bomb bomb. I need to create something. The bomb. <laughs> a bomb bomb framework. <laughs> B B O M B B U M framework. The first thing there, vulnerability. Now in this case, because I can't see the emoji you use, it's showing question mark on my in my stuff. Right, so the first vulnerability now, this guy, this man, the, the uh, victim, the guy who had been assaulted, he had no choice. He was vulnerable. There are some things that happen to you that mm, you hide. The other things is open, out in the open. But whether it's chosen vulnerability or compulsion vulnerability, you can't heal without vulnerability. Heal me, O Lord, and I'll be healed. Old Testament, Psalms, that's vulnerability. In other words, I know that I'm sick. If there's anybody who has any struggle and the person never accepts that it's a struggle, what they've done is that they've shut the door to the growth out of that space. If I have a soul wound, I need to be vulnerable. And the first person I need to be vulnerable with is God. How do I know? Before the Samaritan got there, God was already there. God sees your wounds even before anybody walks past you. As a matter of fact, whilst he's in between life and death, the Bible says he was half dead. It means his soul was transiting somewhat. A slim sliver of his soul was still connected to the body. In between life and death, maybe he whispered a prayer, murmured a wish tied a desire and wondered where God was. Whilst he was wondering where God was, God was ordering the steps of a priest or the steps of a Levite or the steps of a Samaritan. And when the priest failed, he said the Levite to one fail. When the Levite versus a Samaritan, you're the one that would do this thing. I'm speaking humanly. I'm trying to give you a picture. God already knew that a Samaritan was going to do it. So men may walk past you, but God will walk you past your pain. Come on now. Come on now. Men, they may walk past you, but God will walk you past your pain. I want to tell somebody, that wound in your soul will soon be history. The wound in your soul will soon be history because he nailed that wound to his tree, to his tree, to his cross, to his tree. So the history was nailed to history. Okay? That's important. First thing, vulnerability. Number two, the word says, where are we, where are we, where are we? And when he saw him, he had compassion. Vulnerability. In other words, somebody must see you, as in God must see you. And apart from God, you see yourself in the word. Apart from that, do you have a covenant person? If it's a wound, I'm not talking about the hurt. I'm not talking about just upset. If it's a wound and you've tried to get out of it, somebody must see it. Why? Let me tell you the problem with the wound. 
The problem with the wound is that it distorts your vision of almost everything else. Almost everything else. Everybody becomes a suspect. Everybody becomes a manipulator. Everybody becomes a user in your world. What, have you noticed that when you have a wound, physical wound, you start picking at that thing over and over and over and over, right? And you can't see all the beautiful things all around. If you ever had a zit or something, some strength thing that grew around, thank you, babe. Hey, my bestie is healing me. Thank you. Thanks for praying with me and being my, my guy, my person. Right? If you had maybe like some new thing on your body, coloration or distortion or burn or something, see how your worldview all of a sudden just collapses to that little patch. <laughs> Constantly poking at it. Okay? You must, vulnerability is important. Number two, Engage the ministry of compassion. When he saw him, he had compassion. Now, avoid surrounding yourself with people who have passion for your wounds and surround yourself with people who have compassion for your healing compassion for you and commitment to your healing because many times when we are wounded we want people to describe the wound we want people to to vilify the people that wounded us the good samaritan did not stop to analyze the thieves did not stop i'm not saying don't do that i'm saying that's not the obsession for the now right stop wasting the inner resources you need for your healing on regret and victimization and judgment engage compassion now that compassion before it will show in your life before it will pour in your life it needs to pour in your heart romans 5 5 says the law of god has been shed abroad in our hearts it is extremely critical that you engage that ministry. In other words, allow the compassion of the Spirit of God to become a reality to you. You might need to go and listen to the message from Sunday game, Second Service in particular, when I spoke about how Jesus was dealt with on the cross. It's practically impossible for you to hold anybody bound in your heart. If you keep the picture of Jesus, Jesus' innocent punishment, in front of your face is impossible now another mistake many people make is that they think that the fact that you are in pain means that you are you've not forgiven no you can forgive people and you're still in pain over what they did you can forgive people and still not be their friends it does not mean you've not forgiven them forgiveness is an obligation friendship after betrayal needs participation with the other person's disposition are you getting what i'm saying the fact that you're no longer friends with people does not mean you're not forgiven them in fact the reason you are no longer friends is that you've forgiven them so you want to start afresh now the person they were friends with before the betrayal is a different person from the person you have become now it does not mean you're a wicked person it means you're a wiser person are you getting the point how do you know you're forgiven it does not mean that there's no pain the way you know there's for you're forgiven is that you are no longer holding them in your heart with the desire to see evil come upon them as a result of what they did to you. Once you've crossed that threshold, 
where your heart is no longer devising or hoping or expecting for damage to be done in their lives or their work or their destiny. You have let them go. Are you here? How many of you know that when Jesus came out of the grave, right? Are you following? Are you aware that he could resurrect Judas? Do you know he could resurrect Judas? He said, all powers were given unto me. So he could bring Judas up again, but he did not. When you have come through your healing, there are some Judases you must never resurrect again. Oh, I don't have enough time to break this one down. <laughs> you know what to say? It must be an equivalent. See, if, let me tell you what have happened. The reason they didn't resurrect Judas is the disciples would have committed murder. <laughs> Maybe Peter would have been the first. See, neither. I'll say it was here Peter cut before. His head he will cut now. Some people... The assignment in your life is over. You see them in public, you greet them with Jesus joy. You, they send you a message, you reply very well, courteous. But all that sleepover, hangover, carryover, layover, it's not necessary any longer. If it's going to happen, they must also be willing to demonstrate sufficient Christian character and morality in practice. Are you seeing? So there are people, there are relationships you can put on your watch list. They are on your watch list. And as a believer, what you want to do, always keep the door open for reconciliation. Right? Keep the door open, but don't allow everybody into your bed. But I'm speaking metaphorically. Allow only your spouse into your bed. But I'm staying into your intimate space. Over here. So the second thing, engage ministry of compassion. Let the compassion of the Holy Spirit flow in your heart. Cry. This is where you cry. This is where you wail. This is where you report them to God. God, how could they? How could she see what my daddy did? Some of you have not grieved. I have grieved over relationships. Some of them have been healed. Some of them are being healed. Some, I don't even know where they are. <laughs> right? Grief. You grieve over opportunities lost. It's okay. The capacity to grieve is a divine gift that should be used selectively and wisely. Right? Then it says, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal. I need to run, my gosh, my time. He, he set him, uh, so number one, vulnerability. Number two, compassion. Number three, so look, I've taught that. Number three, he went to him, bandages wounds. Number three, get first aid. First aid. The longer the wound stays without attention or affection, the more sores, more sores. Now, I was going to talk about compassion. Two words, come and passion, but also compass, circle. Be watchful of that circle. Don't hang around with the nurse and rehearse, rehearse, rehearse what happened. You already know what happened, okay? <laughs> but number three is first aid. 
Now, what, what he needed was not just this bandage, but the bandage, or another, some other people call it band-aid, to just keep it in shape. There are some people, when they come on Sunday, it's band-aid, the healing will require intensive care. The Sunday service is holding them so that they don't lose their minds and go and sleep with people that will give them STDs over a heartbreak that didn't give them any permanent disease, right? It's bad. So when you're inviting people, please have this picture in mind that you are the good Samaritan to somebody else. You're a good believer to somebody else. Bring them in. Ban it. Get first aid. So you might not be able to cure that person's problems, but they're at the bus stop. Can I pay for you? Can I pay for your fare? For some people, that's just the band age. A reminder that they are not done. You might be shocked that that person you gave the 2,000 naira to was taking their last ride to go and commit suicide. When you start engaging, you start hearing stories. Start hearing stories. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I didn't know that God existed or God was real. I I'd given up on God until you came and you brightened my day or what you gave me. So many times in terms of giving or transfers, people will tell me later, how did you know that was exactly what I needed? How did you know? That is you being the hands of Jesus to hold people and their sanity in mind. Get first aid. For some of you, the first aid requires a good conversation, a healthy space. Time of worship. Get first aid. The next thing is interact with oil and wine. What is wine? Celebration. What is oil? Anointing. I wish I had enough time to show you the different expressions of that. Now, how do you get wine and oil? Surround yourself with spaces that lighten your load and undoes or undo your burdens. Worship music, fantastic. Anointed music will go a long way. Long way. Anointed music. I was looking at the stats uh, yesterday. So songs like Favor All Around, Glory All Around. There's something so powerful on those songs. Those two songs are the most listened to songs on the I'm Not Alone album. Favor All Around is the most listened to song. Sorry, I'm Not Alone actually is the most listened to song. Then Favor All Around. I think L'Oreal Around. Just, just listen. Just play it. Sometimes we have no words. Powerful. Play it. A spontaneous worship song or KMT ministration that really blessed you on a Sunday Sunday. Go on YouTube. Go and look for it. Stop looking for tools that cannot fix your brokenness and ignoring the ones that God has given you to help you heal. You know, people are looking for things that are not missing. Now, I wish I had enough time to really speak about, uh, about therapy tonight. But let me tell you, and some of you have heard me preach this before, teach this before. One of the words for therapy, there are many words for therapy in the Greek, but one of them is, is worship. One of the words for worship Therapeal, word for worship. It means to wait upon minially, to minister to one another, to an adore God. Guess what it also means? In the Greek, to relieve disease, to relieve disease. So worship is an internal therapeutic mechanism. 
Worship is one of the tools, the therapy tools of Jesus. Because it has a deep seating effect, an interaction, interaction with the spirit of God, with the spirit of truth, who begins to excavate and undo. Oh, that's one of my, my greatest self-medications almost every day. Almost every day. If you're like me, you receive songs and sounds that are yours or from God. Engage them. If you're not like me, but there are worship ministers that have blessed you at different times, go back. Right? Now, make sure you don't get addicted to the worship. Get addicted to the person you are worshiping. Don't get addicted to the sound. Get addicted to the spirit. Don't get addicted to the dosage. Get addicted to the doctor. Are you here? And then engage, embrace anointed ministry. When people have, when they have soul wounds, they want to run away. They want to leave church. They want to, yeah, see, is a deception. A wounded patient who stays on the highway is likely going to die. A wounded patient. Listen, someone says, oh, I, I, I don't like church because church hurt me. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about that the last, uh, I think last Sunday or last Wednesday. By the way, on Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, we're having a special guest, an anointed man of God. His name is called Moses Akko. Very anointed, very powerful. It's going to be a great time as we minister together. Right. If you don't know him, Google him or check him out on, on Instagram. Who knows him? If you know him, say, I do, I do, I do. Now, people say, I don't like church. I don't want to do church. I don't want to do this. Guess what? If a car hits somebody, a car wounds somebody, what will they use to carry the person to the hospital? What? What? A car. Sometimes to get healed from a church, you need another church to help you heal. To get healed from a Christian, another Christian to help you heal. The reason the enemy is using that Christian to hurt you is because he knows Christians are supposed to help and heal you. So he wants to bastardize the image of the Christ, the image of the church in your mind. So that when you enter into the bitterness of your generation, that's what's happening online now. Now people have spoken against pastors whom they need, spoken against churches where they will still get married. <laughs> and when life shows them pepper, they are too peppered like snail, peppered snail. They're peppered and they are moving very slow. They are too peppered to retrace their steps and go and submit to the protocols of healing that God has domiciled in his men and in his body. Be careful what you speak against because you might need to swallow your words. Be careful who you speak against because there might be something about them that your destiny cannot be fulfilled without. Are we here? So he engaged minister of oil and wine and he set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next thing is Engage intensive care. So after first aid, he took him into the inn. What's the inn? The proper structure for that. So for soul wounds, Jesus heals. And for some people, you're healed immediately, instantaneously. But other people, because of the severity of what happened, or because of the damage done, 
the, the time that has passed, right? There's somebody, I, I tell my wife about that person. I say, see, I pray for this person because I knew this person before the person was wounded. And this person has been wounded for many, many years now. And every time I've seen the person either physically or online, this person is not normal. She's not back to herself. And I can tell the part of the soul is shut down, fragmented. Now, that kind of case is going to need intensive care. Intensive. There are some devices that antivirus can clean. There are some devices they have to... <clears throat> not antivirus. They will need antivirus, oncovirus, cousin virus, daddy, elder virus family will have to be there. Intensive care. And the seventh thing I want to say, is it seven or six thing? Six thing. You want to pay the price. Pay the price for it. So intensive care, what does it look like? For some people, it's counseling, paid counseling. For some people, it's coaching. For some people, it's therapy. For some people, it is psychotherapy. Right? Inten some cases require secluded attention over a period of time. It's not general teaching because of the severity of what it is. Now, a lot of those can happen in small groups within the church. But the world has become so dynamic. Back then in the Bible, the men, at least the earlier part of the church, they met from house to house, technically every day. So you could deal with many things. Now people meet twice a week. Meet twice a week. And finally, accountability. You said, take care of him. And whatever more you, you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. In other words, somebody is taking responsibility for this. When somebody has a limp, more often than not, is going to need to relearn how to walk by leaning on somebody else. Are we here? Are we here? I have so much more to deal with, but I will leave the rest for now. Are you still here, somebody? Or am I talking to myself? I'll leave the rest for now. I hope somebody got something tonight. The wounds can be healed. Jesus had made, has made provision for your healing. Somebody should give us the list of the things that I did. Yeah. Um, vulnerability starts with that. And then you walk your way all the way to accountability and responsibility. Yeah. For those who are whole, like the priests and the Levites, don't be so caught up in your wholeness that you no longer see broken people. They no longer see the people who, who can, they can't get up. See, some people are not rebellious. They are wrecked. There's a difference. Some people are not stubborn. They are sick. Some people are not rude. They are ruined. Okay? Some people are rebellious. Some people are, you know, lazy. Some people are just, they, are, they can't get up. So don't be so caught up in how well things are in your heart, in your mind, in your life, that you don't read through people's circumstances and help them walk through it. We're not told how long the healing process took, but we know that somebody was there to say, see, no matter how long this thing is going to take, we're going to walk through it. We're going to walk through it. All right. 
Father, we thank you so much for your healing virtue and healing power. We thank you right now that even as I speak these words, you are touching and healing and feeling every heart. You are molding minds and you are causing people who have been damaged and negatively impacted to come alive again, to be strengthened again, to be fortified again. Lord, I ask for the conversations that must be held between those people and you, and in some cases between them and other people. I ask, O oh Lord, for wisdom to be able to understand the fidelities and the and the, the wisdom required not to go back to the people that use and abuse, but to recognize the people in their spaces right now to whom they should be open and to find succor and strength and establishment. Father, we give you praise because the devil will not make this house a house of fractures, but this is a house of wholeness and healing. We proclaim this now. That is our reality. We we'll walk in the fullness of this revelation and the strength. And Lord, heal through us, touch through us, help through us, feel through us, fortify through us, empower, equip, solidify through us. Let us be like the good Samaritan with extra oil and wine. Listen, almost every day, every day, try to go with extra oil and wine because you don't know who's going to need it. Go with extra oil and wine. Lord, the ability for extra oil, extra joy, extra grace, extra anointing, extra forgiveness will receive it. That will never be caught without supply. To pour oil into somebody's wounds and to put the band-aid and to put them in the inn until they are healed in their innermost parts. We give you praise, Father. Tonight is blessed. We enjoy good things. We receive blessings. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. Generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this out.